Hi, everyone. I'm Christina, host of the Broke Girl Society podcast. And I'm Tara, host of the Ambitious Addicts podcast. And today we are talking step seven. It's been a while since we recorded some step work together. It has been. And I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to be talking about step seven with you. Me too. So Christina is working on her recovery from compulsive gambling. And I am, I have some experience I could speak to from that perspective too, but I am actively working 12 steps for my codependency right now. Yeah. And we really like working them through this workbook and it is called, in case you haven't, you're just joining us for this episode, a woman's way through the 12 steps. And there is a book and a workbook. And we are doing this. I am doing this through the workbook. I believe Terry, you are working through the book as well. I'm right? doing both. Um, read, I read the book and I do or choose not to do the exercises in the workbook accordingly. Yeah. And we're going to yeah. have a conversation about these exercises, aren't we? We are. We are. Okay. So, so let's tell everybody what step seven is. I was just fixing to say those exact words. Um, yeah. Step seven is humbly ask him, I guess, or a higher power of your choosing to remove our shortcomings is how it's stated in the book. Yeah. And I think some programs will say humbly ask God of our understanding to remove our shortcomings. Yeah. Same thing. Different yeah. words. And so this one is what, how do you see step seven? Like humbly ask to remove our shortcomings. Like, how do you prep for a step like this? Well, by doing step six <laughs> and step five <laughs> and step four, that all gets you to this point is. Yeah. Um, you know, I see this as at just asking for help. I mean, boiled down to the, the core tenant of the step, it's, it's asking for help. And that in and of itself is being humble, um, particularly in my codependency, I would say that that's something, you know, I try to pretend I could just do everything myself. Um, yeah. Yeah. My fierce independence is actually a codependent pattern. What is going on with that cat back there? Yeah, well, she's having some real emotions tonight and I'm helping her work through them. And so I told her she could set in on this okay, and see if, if there's any aspect of the step that could help her <laughs> work through them. And I know like if you're listening on the podcast, you can't see her, but she's literally staring at the wall. I think like her head is like, <laughs> like she's got her head buried in the wall and we've been having a conversation. I love it that she's right by the butterfly because, you know, butterflies, growth, like she's in it. She's in this step. She's thinking about growth with us. Yeah. But she's also giving me like the side eye. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I want to read this, just this first intro in this workbook, because it, it kind of really explains the, the meat of step seven is step seven helps us learn about the concepts of re relinquishment and humility. It's important to understand that the humility of step seven is not humiliation. And I think a lot of people do kind of struggle with like those um, shortcomings or the things that we struggle with. It, it does sometimes feel like shame or humiliation that we can't let 
certain things go, or we, you know, struggled with certain repeated patterns. And so I think it's, I like the idea of, of thinking it more of like, like just humbly, you know, let's humbly address these things that are causing stress and chaos to our life. Yeah. And like just admitting like, Hey, this is a thing that I'm not pleased with about my current state and I want to change it and I need help. And just recognizing that we're not going to be perfect at everything. And I think that that's an aspect here, you know, like recognizing when we, there are some things that we just are not capable of processing or doing, or, you know, and I think that's kind of a, an important part of this step. At least it has been for me as I've worked through it. Yeah. For me too. I would say also that self-acceptance and self-compassion and the patience with ourselves as we, as we work to create change, as you know, like change is one of the topics I, I have a course around for my students, like navigating change is a huge part of our recovery. And not only have we worked to create some level of abstinence, I mean, most people, by the time they're actively working, I'll say actively working step seven, as opposed to reading and seeking to understand it, but actively working this step in, in our everyday lives, most of us have achieved some form of abstinence, some length of abstinence before we get to this point. Not everybody, um, but that we've made so many changes and our brains do not like change. They, oh. hate, they we, we like the comfort of the old patterns. We like being able to do what we've always done. It's, you know, we have to build new, it's, it's work for our brains to actually build new ways of living each day. And yeah. so, yeah, that's real. And, that's a real hard work too in recovery, right? Like, um, I think, you know, other people have said it better for most of us. Gambling isn't the hard part. When I stepped into recovery, like stepping away from gambling hasn't been the biggest struggle for me. It's been the change and unlearning and relearning, you know, certain behaviors and habits and things like that. That's been the hard part. I think for me, uh, one of the hardest parts for me, um, I was talking to somebody earlier uh, who I'm mentoring and, you know, there's, there's this phase of recovery. That's like the valleys and the, the mountains oh, yeah. and the valleys of recovery. And I think by the time you, you get to step seven, you've had to have experienced like the valleys and, um, the valleys are the tough part, right? Those are the things that we, we struggle with. And I think when we're in those valleys, this is a really effective step on helping us get out of those valleys. And like the BGS topic, uh, the, the Broke Girl Society meeting topic last Sunday was letting go. And that's, that's also something that's very, very um, hard <laughs> to do. And recognizing in how, how many aspects, you know, just letting go or, or, you know, even those shortcomings that are those, those things that we're, we struggle with, it's so hard to just let them go. And they have those patterns for a reason. Right. Like there was some part of us that was benefiting from that pattern. <laughs> like 
I I had a hard time in early recovery quitting gambling. Like I I had to remove access to money. I had to tell I had to tell on myself to everybody. And I had a lot of urges in the beginning. It was not easy for me to let go of gambling. And we talked, I think, when we were talking about step six, like, well, is gambling in and of itself a shortcoming or not? You know, right. or maybe that was pre-work that we did ahead of time where I was like, is gambling really a shortcoming though? And um, I don't think, I don't think gambling itself is. I think the way that I was gambling and all the things that I used gambling for, that was that reliance I had on gambling to fulfill all my emotional needs. Um, that was that was the the hardest part. I was like, well, why did I want to gamble? Why did I keep gambling? Why did I stay in this really harmful situation with myself? And there is the answer to some of the shortcomings. Yeah. Um, so when we talk about like my notes here on some of my shortcomings, um, especially especially in the beginning, I can I can definitely see some differences. But you know, codependency, like, is huge. You know, and there's so many different layers of that, right? Codependency, yes. the people pleasing specifically. That's something I still I still struggle with. And and I'm gonna give you a quick example. This past Saturday, I was um, tapped to do a study. Uh, a gambling related study um, for a researcher. And it's been on my my calendar for a bit. And I woke up Saturday morning with a stomach flu. Okay. But I had such a hard time, like, and and it was an early morning deal. So it was not like I had this big thing where I could just cancel it. And mm -hmm. so I had this huge like layer of guilt, like, um, you know, I've got to cancel this. I can't, I you know, I'm like super, super sick. And, um, you but I want to like puke on the computer screen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I didn't want to be like, Oh, excuse me. And then, you know, off to the <laughs> side, like, right. Right. And that's exactly what would have happened or worse or worse. And we won't talk about that. But, um, so I started, I typed out this, this thing and I felt so much guilt telling this guy, like, Hey, I'm going to have to reschedule. I'm, I'm woke up because this is something I've like my schedule is something that I have really focused on in recovery and I'm very like strategic with it. And, you know, and especially things that I'm, I'm so passionate about, like doing this study, you know? And so I sent it to him. He's like, Hey, no worries, no worries. And then I popped on anyway, like, because it was right. Like we're talking down to the countdown. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to just soldier through this. So I, so I pop up on there because I felt tremendous guilt for canceling within a 10 minute window. Right. So he, he gets on and we start, I'm like, okay, I'm going to just be honest with you. I am really sick, but I think I can soldier through this. Like, are we talking like 30 minutes, you know? And he's like, mm, we're like an hour. And I'm like, well, let's just see how far we can get, you know? And probably within 10 minutes, I was like, I started to answer a question and my nausea struck so hard. And I was like, Put, put my finger up and I'm like, we're gonna have to reschedule. <laughs> I was just like, but I'm just saying that's kind of, that's still something I'm struggling totally. with shortcoming wise. Like mm -hmm. I should have been okay to say, I'm sick. I can't do this. I apologize for the last minute and gone on about my day. But I was so just like 
cut like this is that's just how my brain is at the moment like I couldn't there was so much guilt tied into that and that's the people pleasing or the codependency or whatever however that's showing up like I knew it wasn't right yeah so I've I've done especially when I'm not puked on on screen like is it also a shortcoming of mine um to feel guilty cert canceling for sure feel guilty canceling anything and um I've gone a, like a couple steps further with this because I'm focused on CODIS penancy specifically and started to ask myself like, well, is that true all the time? And it's not. So there are certain situations and certain people and certain circumstances where I have that guilt or it's almost impulsive, impulsive people pleasing, like I'll, I have an example too. I just did it yesterday. Client, as you know, I'm still trying to like shift out of and like honor my goals and honor my own dreams and like shift out of recruiting, which I know and I love. And I, I can kind of do that work, obviously not in my sleep, but I know it very well, right? And um, and move all the way 100% into coaching. And I mean, 445. Can you meet at five o'clock to talk about what's going on with this search? And I want to move that thing forward and I want to get it done. And like, this is a critical conversation in order to be able to set the people who are moving forward in the hiring process up for success. And I was like, yes, you know, yes. I like, I didn't even stop and think like I've been in six hours of meetings already today. I had a lot of writing I did today. I didn't even stop and think about myself for a second. And so, um, when it comes to like work stuff, I can have this false sense of urgency that I create to part of it is to please the other person and have them see me as somebody that gives really good service. And the other part of it is I think this fear of the unknown in the other situation where I'm questioning my own worthiness. And so in, in work situations, it shows up and with certain people it shows up, but there are other people in my life where I know without a doubt, they accept me fully as I am. And they know that I'm showing up 95% of the time and the 5% I don't, I really can't. Yeah. 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 I need to get there. I need to get there. Like, because it's like, even like on our Monday night sessions, you know, I was just like, I seriously can't even hold the phone my head is pounding so bad. And it's like, I knew you got it. I knew you understood because I've shown up yeah, like every week unless my health has gotten in the way. And it was like, because I knew, I knew you understood that and knew that I really would be sick to not show up. And yeah. And like, like, and like you, did you even for a second have any guilt about that with me? No, no. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And it was the same way with the BGS meeting that I had that I couldn't attend, you know, yeah, and you it's know, just like, we, yes. everybody stepped up and they're like, we've got this, you know, go rest and heal. But there's still just this overwhelming guilt. Like if I wasn't, if I wasn't a hundred percent sure I wouldn't pass out by sitting there in that chair, I'd be on that meeting, you know, but I'm a hundred percent sure I would pass out at some point. I've done some crazy <laughs> stuff like that myself. I'm there. I am using the word crazy that I'm always trying to, I'm trying to stop yeah. using that word so much. Um, like, oh, maybe I should just dial in. 
when they cannot show my camera. I, yeah. And I like, I probably would fall asleep. I honestly you know, didn't even think of that as an option. Different. Thank you. Oh, we'll do that next time. Now. No, you won't. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm saying like, but those are the kinds of things that our yeah. codependency can like just completely neglect yourself in order to serve another person. And that's so, something we really need to work on letting go of. We're, we're asking mm -hmm. to be removed. I am asking for that. Yes, me too. And same with control, like same yeah. with control, like that, that is an ongoing issue with me, especially when it comes to what I do in my advocacy and stuff on the side. It's like, you know, here I am talking one minute, like, well, I hope that, you know, they can do this without me. And then in the same moment, I'm like, but I hope they do it this way, you know? And it's just like, and I know you're really quick to call me on it, but like, is that control a little bit? And I'm like, I, it absolutely is. And this is something that it, I hope will not, I mean, I hope that I will be able to, you know, let some of that go, but it's just, it's, it's a struggle for me right now, but it is definitely something I need to work on. Yeah. I think, um, one of the other really fascinating things about this step for me has been, when I ask God to remove a shortcoming, how many opportunities I get to practice the new way of living and how many times I fall off the bike yeah. <laughs> and go, oh, okay, I see it. Like you gave me an opportunity to say no to something and prioritize myself and I didn't. And, and then I can go back and like, be grateful, right? Like, okay, you gave me that shot. You gave me the shot to remove the shortcoming in this one situation. And I didn't do it, but give me another shot. I'm still, you know, I'm still willing. Yeah. You keep giving me the shots and keep giving me the chances to work on it and to, to, and I think the, the more that we do work on it, we do see those missed opportunities. It's like the more awareness we, we curate and you know that we can really start like I don't know I think it's just a way to like keep honing in on and I yeah. that's how you do remove them you know right is is by just the the added awareness each time yeah and then if we don't succeed not coming back and using that as a weapon against ourselves like I'm never gonna stop this you know I remember when I was early in my recovery and asking asking to remove the shortcoming of anger and anger is not a shortcoming, right? Um, so let me rephrase that anger itself is not a shortcoming, but like acting out of anger in a way that created harm to other people, right? Yeah. Yelling, screaming, whatever. And I, I so clearly remember being in traffic and like for a whole week straight and I'm talking, you know, my big whopping three, four mile commute every day cut off some random person coming out of the, you know, coming out of a side street without even looking to see if traffic was there. Like all these opportunities to practice patience to the best of my ability and not become angry at it things that are insignificant. And, and like, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, like, oh, you jerk, you know, like call random strangers' names and 
And then starting to come into this realization on Thursday, like, man, you've been pretty angry at cars this week. <laughs> and you have, I look at like a 10 minute commute, not even, we're talking back roads, not highways. Like I have the easiest drive. And I spent those drives angry. I was given all these opportunities to not become angry. And I did. And so by about Thursday, I realized it. And by Friday, I was like, okay, if it happens today, I am going to wave and smile. And it happened. And I waved and smiled. And now I practice waving and smiling when drivers uh, do things that I, I don't agree with the way they're driving. It's not the one finger wave, right? Like that's no, no, not no. good. It's, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely a, it's, like, hey, hey, okay, go right. ahead. Well, I just added road rage to mine because, you know, like Monday through Friday, that's an issue that I hadn't even thought about. So, oh. uh, and I am bad with that one finger wave. <laughs> you do. You give people the bird. Oh my, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, yeah. I'm, I, I have always dealt with road rage. I don't know why. And when I say road rage, not the type that's going to chase anybody down, but it's definitely the one finger wave. Like you have a blinker for a reason. Come on people, you yeah. know, like that kind yeah. of stuff. And, yeah. you know, I'll even like flick my blinker, like this is how it works. <laughs> and I don't, I just, I'm just now recognizing that behavior. I mean, that's not true. I recognize it at the time and I'm like, why is this bothering you? But then I'm like, well, because they don't know how to drive. That's why it's bothering me. Yeah. They should just all know how to drive the way yeah. that I drive. Right. Which isn't good either. And I don't know how many times I don't use my blinker and I don't know how many times people have given me the one finger wave. Like, and I would actually get offended if somebody honks their horn at me, you know, but it's, it's very one-sided. Um, but yeah, the, now when we go over here to re relinquish month and they have kind of this series of, um, exercises, I guess we can mm -hmm. say, and they talk a lot about a God box. Yeah. Let's talk about your feelings. On this you don't exercise. even know them. So you get to hear them fresh. Yes. Yes. I just, it's just not my jam. And I have heard the reference of the God box a lot in uh, different recovery circles. Yeah. And, and I think it can be really helpful, but I think, um, I kind of agree with you the way that she kind of did this particular ex exercise. So let me just, let me just read the first one and then we can have a conversation on it. It's like turning okay. something over to your higher power can seem abstract. A God box or a God can provides a concrete way of turning something over. Find a shoe box, a jewelry box, a coffee can, or a similar container, even an envelope will work. Decorate it if you like, or label it. And then let's see, you can also Let's see, let's talk about this here. Write a description or pattern on a piece of paper and put it in your God box of like descriptions of behavioral patterns that you want to um, have removed and put like them, road rage. Like road rage would be an excellent one. And I've got it written here on the on the notebook. Um, I'll work on that. Uh, probably next week though. Let's see. So yeah, and so it's just kind of like. And I, I mean, I kind of get this in a way of like my burn book journal that I created. It's, it's a way that I kind of write out those negative feelings when I'm really struggling with self-doubt, self-hate, you know, those types of, of feelings. 
and I write those out. And for me, it, that is a, a, a way of release. And I think that's kind of how they're looking at the God box, like write it out, stick it in the God box and let it go. Yeah. Let it go. Let it go. I wish I could sing. I would do that, but no. Okay. No, we're we're so doing karaoke in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, you asked for it. Uh, I did. I did. Um, yeah. I mean, I conceptually, I get this, and I actually have a strong appreciation for making it concrete. Um, for me, I want to look back on some of this. I want to reflect on it. I want to actively engage in a dialogue with my version of a higher power. And somehow for me, this God box thing feels, um, how do I put this into words? Um, a bit like, here you go, you take it, it's all yours. And I see my relationship with my higher power is a little bit different. And she, she actually talks about it later, um, this harmony melody thing that we're working together. I'm following God's lead, you know? And so something for me, just with the, with the actual box, it's like, I'm just going to throw that in there and you got it. And I believe God's got it, but I believe I also am required to participate and take some action beyond just saying, I want to be done being angry. And so I do like to have the ability to look back on things. And um, I love the burn book for that reason too. There are some things like negative thoughts, specific negative thoughts that I want to burn. Like I want to yeah. be done with those thoughts. They're out of my head. I want a physical release of some sort. Crumple it up in the trash. Like those, those feelings of like, you're not worthy. Like I don't yeah. want to feel those feelings because I am worthy. I know I've done some things, but I am worthy of the hope and healing that recovery brings. And so, yeah, I, I very much agree. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing with this exercise that I, somehow it doesn't feel right for me to just put something in a box or an envelope and be like, here you go. (laughs) Cause I, I believe I, um, I need to do something with God think work together. And that's, I think working on them in that kind of essence or that kind of emotional capacity, like that's, that's going to kind of re like, for me, it's like reinforcing it, you know, and, and really kind of, um, taking it on. Yeah. And, you know, with the help, it's like, you're not carrying it on your own. Right. Right. And, and whatever your higher power is, you know, whether it's, it's, um, I like, there's a lady in our, in our group who called it, um, the term Gus, mm-hmm. which is God universe source. Yep. And I don't know, that's really just kind of stuck with me since she said that. And, um, I kind of just like the all encompassing of it for me personally. Um, yes. I like, you know, I like the thought of just the universe and the energy and how it's just really opened up for me in recovery. And so I kind of like that I have this kind of universal energy around me that mm-hmm. it just, it just like adds to my strength a little bit, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, not a little bit, a lot. I a feel. lot. Yeah. And it's just like connection and like, like it just feels so connected. Um, I feel so. that way with nature too. We don't want to oh, add yeah. the N in there though. Cause it might be like guns. Oh yeah. 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 
Yeah, no, we'll just leave it. We'll just leave it at guess for now. Guess. Yeah. Um, and my, I just do want to credit the woman that said it in recovery yes. without sharing her name, obviously, but yes. I didn't want to take credit for that. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to the next, the next part of this. And it's humility. Uh, mm -hmm. Humility also means I recognize a spiritual source greater than myself. And I absolutely 100% um, I think that's one of the, the feelings I recognize most in early recovery is humility because you really have to become humble. Um, you know, when you're, when you're, I hate the thought of having to become humble to ask for help, but you have to get out of your own way. And by doing so you, it's humbling to have to say, I'm struggling. I'm not the person you, you thought I was. I'm, you know, I've got all this stuff going on and I haven't told you about it. I mean, that's an extremely humbling, vulnerable experience. Um, and so that's, that is a huge piece to letting our shortcomings go is for me, humility is, is getting out of the definition of humility is getting out of my own way. And that's, that's doing what needs to be done. Yeah. There is a, in this section that she has in the book itself, um, that section on humility, not humiliation that you highlighted as a point that you liked. I think that's, that's one of the, the things that stands out. I don't think that it's one of the things that stands out. One of the things that stands out for me is the way that it's phrased here that it's a clear-headed perspective that doesn't minimize or avoid the facts. With humility, we're able to say, this is what I did and it's done. And I, um, I really appreciate that part of it because it is this vulnerability at the same time that almost um, invites us to become more self-accepting instead of critical and in our addiction, we're not humble, we're hiding and we are humiliated. We're humiliated inside. We're feeling humiliated all the time, so much so that we won't even show the world who we are. Yeah. And so I, I see this type of humility as really being critical to, to be able to move forward towards change. Um, facing the, the facts squarely and then saying, yeah, I did that. And I'm, I'm done doing that now. Yeah. And I think too, it's not, it's not just being humble in the very beginning when you have all this truth that you need to lay out. It's, right. it's being humble in those, those valleys that we talked about. And, you know, that very thought of like, and I, I remember experiencing these valleys and I, and I've talked to people who are currently experiencing the valley. And it's like, when I say that, you just think, you go back to this thing where I can handle my own issues or I can work through this. And, and you know, working through it is, a, is how, how we build those skills to work through that. You know, there are times where we really need to try and work through it on our own, but then there's those times where it's okay to humbly ask for help and say, I'm really struggling here. 
And that was the difference. That was the difference for me. That's what helped me get out of those valleys is when I would reach out and be like, I'm really struggling here. I don't know why. I don't know why. And when you, when you ask for that help and you talk to somebody and you say, this is what I'm going through, you know, you take away that pride, I guess, can be a shortcoming, right? Pride is a shortcoming. You take away that pride of like, I can fix this on my own and you let somebody else in and they can really kind of help transition you into a different mindset, a different way of working through what you're going through. Yeah, the there's another um, section in the book that talks about this um, this will, you know, that that if we don't have that humility, we could be walking into this step really believing that we can will ourselves to change, that we can do it all by ourselves, that if we try hard enough we'll rid ourselves of the destructive pattern and traits that we want to give up. And as she states, the truth is we can't force ourselves to change any more than we could force ourselves to stop in our cases, gambling or relying on human beings to be a source of validation in our lives. Because if it were a matter of willpower, we probably would have changed a long time ago. Very much so. Um, that's, that's a great point. Uh, I think my personal opinion is like, I had a lot of willpower when it came to gambling. Like I would do whatever I could to gamble. To gamble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To gamble. But when yeah. it came to like, it's like, what's that formula that like turns it around and gives you the willpower to find recovery and change your life. And somehow I did it. I just don't have the magic formula for it, but somehow I was able to kind of turn that willpower around and like really focus on, on recovery. Um, but here she says also, you know, like I was just describing that feeling of like asking for help, right? Mm -hmm. Humbling yourself, asking for help. And she says, what feelings do you have when you think about taking the action that you just described? So taking that action of like humbling yourself. Um, and the way that they kind of did an example is exactly how I would express it. Like it's scary to get yourself to that point. It's scary to humble yourself and be vulnerable and say, look, I'm struggling. But it's also, there's also a sense of pride mixed in with that. Like not the bad kind of pride that we're trying to leave behind, but the pride in the fact that we're making progress in our life. We're starting to own, own these shortcomings, you know, like, or starting to kind of overcome, I guess that's the word, these shortcomings. And there's, there's a lot of like, good feeling in that. Like, that's how you kind of know, like you're working through some of the hardest stuff is because it's a mix of fear and gratefulness and even a sense of the good kind of pride, you know, that you take in yourself, not in the, I can't humble myself pride, you know, Isn't there's that, two different kinds. It's fascinating to think. And, and humility, it can sometimes be bad, right? Almost like you're putting yourselves to talk about this in, in here too, like you're putting yourself beneath everybody else. Like that's not the kind of humility we're talking about. We're not saying you're less than anyone. We're saying it's a humble action that you're taking. And I think this piece about the action is what I was talking about. So with this writing part of the workbook, I'm like, 
ah, I don't love this, but ooh, I kind of like this. And I think this is often how I experience step work, right? Like this yeah. doesn't hit and this does. And I think that's been one of the key things to staying in recovery for me is recognizing like not everything is going to hit right. Not everything is going to work for me. And that I'm committed to figuring out what is going to work for me. If I can keep that commitment, then I'm going to continue on this path of recovery versus rejecting outright and being like, well, this workbook sucks now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's accepting that there's good and bad mixed in it or not necessarily good or bad, just what yeah. works for us and what doesn't. And that's, right. that's recovery in general. Yes. And yeah. so, yeah, it's just like you said, some stuff is going to hit, some stuff isn't. And right. you just keep working with the stuff that's connecting. Right. And you keep building around that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to do a God box. I'm not going to do one. And that's okay. It is. It is. And if you need to find another resource to help you kind of, I, I guess, explore and find those shortcomings, like some of them are, are obvious, you know, um, to ourselves, but like the road rage, like... <laughs> Uh, it was kind of obvious, but kind of denial kind of thing. Yeah. Kind of, kind of like something, you know, that it, you know, there's just so many things and it's just like, that's why it's so important coming back and <laughs> sorry, that yeah, the cat tell is killing me. Um, but yeah, just coming back and, and reworking those steps and re-acknowledging those things and, and the more self-awareness you build each time. Yeah. It really I can. Mean, hopping back to your step four. Right. Right. And taking a peek at like, what are the themes there? And one of the things that I never would have considered myself before entering recovery and now see so much evidence that it was one of the underlying emotions I wasn't allowing myself to feel or acknowledge, like jealousy. Mm. That was a big one for me that I Indeed. didn't even realize. I didn't realize how much jealousy was driving some of my codependent patterns and also probably my gambling, right? Jealousy was underneath some of the anger. Jealousy was underneath some of the fear. Jealousy was underneath several things for me and like wishing my life was like somebody else's in the world instead of loving my life as it was. And that showed up in my step four. A lot of the shortcomings I continue to ask my higher power for help with are from my step four work. Yeah, very, very true. That's that's exactly where a lot of mine came from too. You know, some of that. And then I'll just add more, you know, as as I've, I'm coming to recognize them. Yeah. And, you know, I think my biggest one is always going to be control. Um, not I'm not a controlling person as far as like other people. Well, yeah, I am. Dang. <laughs> people, places, and things. Yeah, like... Man. The things we will never control. <laughs> exactly. The things yeah. that are constantly trying to control. Um, but I think that's something that I'm, I'm continuously aware of. And if I'm not aware of it, I'm thankful to have the people around me that are kind of like, mm, do you think you're controlling there a little bit? And I'm like, no, okay. You know, like, yeah, maybe. And it's, you know, it's just kind of recognizing, recognizing that. And it's kind of, you kind of have to take on this humble attitude too of like, when somebody holds you accountable. Oh yeah. Like you kind of have to like go to that and be and accept it and not be angry about it and be like, what well, are you, you know, you're calling me out on this. Yeah. I struggled with this in the beginning, you know, but now I'm just like, you're right. 
because I know that the people I have in my life that would call me out on behaviors or shortcomings, I know that they love me and that it's coming from a place of like, I want you, I want to help you work through this. Yeah. I, the same thing like with my sponsors, I'm so fortunate to have such a patient sponsor. I'm in, and friends and sisters in recovery too. But there are things that I've, you know, brought to her like three, four, five, six, seven times. It's just like, so where are we at with this? <laughs> are we still, are we still here on step three with this? Or are you ready for step seven here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately that's probably going to be you with me for the next be like, okay, so this is the eighth time we talked about it this week. Uh, let's see. <laughs> what can we and, do to move forward? Oh, there's no ticker, right? There's right. no tracking. And I think that's, I think the power of sisters in recovery, working with sisters in recovery is like, oh yeah, like we know the change is coming. We know it's coming when it's supposed to. We fully believe that what's meant to you is coming. Like we can start to model that for one another. She's modeled that for me, enabling me to to be able to do the same with and for other people. Yeah. And that's, that's really is the beautiful thing about being around people who, who are living recovery with you and, and, the, and just like being able to say, like, even now, you know, pe new people I see coming in and what they're going through. It's like, I know exactly how you feel. I was there. And it's, it's so hard to tell somebody it does get better um, because it doesn't feel like that. In Not moment. in that moment. It doesn't. And so I don't know if it's helpful. Sometimes I think it is helpful to, to, to tell somebody, I know it doesn't feel like it right now, but it will get better. Every day will get just, just an ounce better and it will add up. And sometimes, you know, but it's, it's just very much of where they're at and what they can. Yeah. Not up to us. Right. What they can, can soak, soak up at the moment. And everybody's so different too you know, right. when they come in and different states. Right. So. All right. Do we have any last minute thoughts on step seven? Um, I don't know. Let me, let me take a, let me take a peek just with something real quick. Yeah. One last thought. Okay. It's the last page. <laughs> oh, um, that as we're looking at our shortcomings, like we don't want to forget to look at the the things that are good about that very same thing. So like you were pointing out with pride, like pride can be good and bad. Like, so if I'm engaging in a prideful thing, is it something that's worthy of pride? Should I be proud of myself for this thing? And, um, you know, not, not all feelings are bad. There are times that we want to be sad and we want to be angry and those feelings are valid and justified. And so I think we, we get an opportunity in this last page of the workbook on this step, we're invited to really think about what's good, what's the strength of that shortcoming. And I found it helpful in my own recovery, not only to look at the strength of the shortcoming, but also like, how did it serve me? Like, did it at some point protect me? Did it at some point help me feel safe in a certain situation? Um, so much more so with codependency than gambling that if I can look at like a people-pleasing pattern and I can go, oh yeah, actually, 
people pleasing in an alcoholic household where somebody might rage at me was very protectionary and kept okay. me safe. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, definitely. And just kind of understanding the differences in those behaviors and, and the reason behind them. Yeah. Can be very yeah. helpful. Yeah. And, and I think that helps you to understand too, what, you know, like understanding that it's not a healthy thing to have to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. And then of so course, my last thought, how about you? You got a last thought? I guess we'll just, we'll just bring it home with gratitude. Right. Yes. Is that, I mean, that kind of ties into what we were saying about totally about the good and the bad, you know, um, being grateful for, you know, the, the experiences, even, even when, you know, like, I guess I'm starting to, to realize that every situation is kind of a lesson and kind of a, an opportunity to grow and, um, heal and those types of things. And, and so for me, kind of looking at those shortcomings and, and just looking at that as an opportunity to, to grow as a person and grow past those. Um, so I'm great. I'm grateful for those, those opportunities. I'm grateful for where I am today that I can look at it like that. I guess that's really yeah. what my gratefulness is, yeah. is that I can have a conversation like this and not be so hard on myself and, or the fact that I have these shortcomings or, you know, that I'm struggling with letting go of these shortcomings, yes. um, but I can just kind of understand them, be more aware of them and use them as, as like a growing tool. I love it. Yeah. yeah. The gratitude. I mean, we talk a lot about gratitude in recovery. <laughs> um, yeah, we do. And it's, I think because when, it's so important. Folk, yeah, it's so easy to get caught up in what we don't have and what we didn't do right and what we wish was different in our lives and and forget that we're lucky to even be on this side of the dirt. Right. Very much yeah. so. Like uh very fortunate to be in the position um that the the position of recovery and and you know, just, yeah, very much. So. Growing and healing. Yep. Well, thank you as always, my friend, for doing this with me. Thank you so much, my friend, for doing this with me too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks everybody for being here with us. <laughs>